Good morning and uh, welcome to the uh, DMA's new politics podcast where we discuss um, everything in current affairs, politics, uh, Brexit, data protection and everything else you could care to think of that's uh, affecting the UK at the moment, which is uh, going for a bit of a, a rocky spell, to say the least. If you have any questions during this podcast, then do uh, get in touch over Twitter. Um, our Twitter handle is at DMA underscore UK. Um, any questions and comments on there, we'll be watching the Twitter um, and we can get back to you and let you know our thoughts. And also, if you're interested in future events or podcasts of, 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 of this nature, then uh, you can use the hashtag DMA events. But this morning, we're going to be discussing uh, Brexit and uh, the troubled times that Theresa May is currently going through. As I'm sure you've all been aware from reading the news, uh, the country is uh, somewhat divided and going through difficult times and choppy waters at the moment. Uh, Theresa May recently having f- uh, faced a no-confidence vote from her own MPs. Um, that process was uh, kicked off after she pulled the Brexit vote from Parliament and deprived MPs of their chance to vote on the uh, the draft withdrawal agreement. Yeah, this is essentially because Theresa May was going to lose on Monday, uh, Tuesday. The vote was going to be, the mm-hmm. vote was scheduled for, and she, apparently that everyone in number 10 was pretty convinced that they were going to win the vote until Monday came, and then they realised that, oh no, we're actually going to lose this quite badly. So Theresa May and her team decided that the best course of action at the time was to pull the vote to try and um, save time, possibly to go back and renegotiate some of the aspects of the deal with Brussels. But that did not turn out to uh, be how events unfolded. Pretty pretty quickly after after they pulled the vote, it uh, was uh, announced that lots of Tory MPs were pretty disgruntled and put lots of letters of no confidence into uh the 1922 committee, which is essentially the, the body that governs the uh, Tory, Tory party MPs inside Parliament itself. Yeah, and uh, they, there had been a few submisses earlier in the month when there was initially rumblings that a uh, revolt would happen. The likes of Jacob Rees-Mogg and others and other leaders within the Eurosceptic faction of the Tory party um, submitted their letters, but they didn't reach that 15% threshold, which is the 48, 48 letters. That only happened when uh, Theresa May pulled the vote from Parliament, which of course upset many MPs. The Speaker, uh, John Burko, was actually quite scathing of, uh, of Theresa May and said that she had been discourteous to the uh, to the House of Commons, so great language and there. For, yeah, and for language that the Speaker can actually use while staying in his sort of realm of impartiality, being discourteous is, is uh, verging on outrageous, I suppose. Um, yeah, so it's been bringing a pretty turbulent week. Um, we had the leadership vote at eight, uh, between six and eight o'clock yesterday, last night, and it was uh, successful for the prime minister. She, uh, by two hundred votes to one hundred and seventeen, she managed to uh, gain confidence of the MPs. But in saying that, it's still a third of MPs who don't actually have confidence in her in her own party. So, really, when you look at the whole arithmetic of the whole House of Commons, that's two hundred MPs out of six hundred and fifty who've given a vocal. Uh, nod of support and I mean you can count the DUPs another 10 maybe but yeah 2 out of 10 out of 210 out of 650 is, is not a good way to hold the government mm-hmm. and if Theresa May is able to renegotiate a deal with the EU I doubt she will be able to the EU have said they're not going to change drastically on the position they've already given her so any tinkering is going to be pretty minor so are those 117 MPs that um voted against the Prime Minister, are they going to vote for her Brexit deal or would they perhaps swap to the other side of the House and more likely to side with the SNP and with Labour? Which again, makes it very dif- difficult for Theresa May to get her draft withdrawal agreement or a slightly tinkered version of it through Parliament. 
So she's starting to run into real difficulties with uh, getting that deal through Parliament. I suspect she'll have to do a great deal of window dressing Definitely. around the Irish backstop to make MPs think that it has changed substantially, even though when on the face of it, it probably hasn't. Yeah, European leaders have said that they'll tweak some of the language, but they're not going to do anything substantive to change the actual agreement itself. They say that's the best thing that they're, they're going to get. And I guess there's probably quite a lot of just fatigue from everyone in the Brexit process and no one really wants to open up the whole can of worms again. So um, you can understand why EU leaders are pretty frustrated with her. Um, but yeah, it's uh, going forwards, there's, there's the potential really for this bill to come back to Parliament and for what we expected to happen this week, which was a vote of no confidence in the government as a whole, and that's different from the vote of no confidence in Theresa May. Mm. That's um, lodged by the opposition parties in, in the Commons, and so they, they would lodge a vote of no confidence and they would hope to um, uh, get a majority, and at that point the government would, be, uh, would have two, two weeks to come back and reform a government, and if not, then a general election would be called. Mm. Um, so depending on what happens with the, this tweaking, she, I mean, at some point she's going to have to bring the bill back, so uh, she can't keep running running from it forever. So we'll see what happens. It's quite likely, well, it's, it's almost certain that the opposition parties will unite together and lodge a uh, uh, vote of no confidence, but whether the DUP, for one, support her, um, or whether these 117 Tory rebels um, still support her is a, is a different question. I think the, the question in the minds of the DUP and those, those rebel Conservative MPs, is whether they want the Brexit that they want, but they're perhaps more scared of allowing a Corbyn government to come to power, mm. and then they may lose their dream entirely and also have to deal with the politics of a Corbyn government, which obviously they're opposed to. So that's that's their challenge. Are they willing to risk, risk it all and have uh, Corbyn walk into number 10, which is what could happen if they support a vote of no confidence yeah. in, the, in, the, in the government? Absolutely. We should say maybe that the the... The desire for Theresa May to, to tweak the deal itself is, is because of uh, the issue of the, the Irish backstop. So this pertains to the uh, withdrawal agreement and what happens after that with the whole Brexit process. So the withdrawal agreement essentially agrees the initial terms of how the UK breaks away from the EU. But then we have this two-year period where we have to, renego uh, to negotiate the, the rest of the trade terms, how, how everything falls into line there. And so the backstop issue is basically uh, a clause, a caveat, which says at the end of this two-year process, if things have gone badly, if you can't get an agreement, then there needs to be um, a solution to the fact that there is now a uh, essentially a border, a trade border. There's two different trade areas in Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland. So traditionally, when there's uh, an end of one country and, and uh, uh, entry into another or there's an end of one trade area and go into another then there's a border there's customs checks but there's a real resistance to put any of these checks between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland because uh, because of the historic uh, troubles that have gone on there um, and also just the fact that uh, for the past well forever people in Northern Ireland and Republic of Ireland have been able just to cross across the border uh, without any hindrance at all so Basically, the backstop is the solution that says that Northern Ireland, if there is, at the end of this two-year period, no agreement, Northern Ireland would remain in the customs union, which is part of the EU, with the Republic of Ireland to stop, um, to stop there being a border. However, many people are, are not happy with that because it means there is essentially a border between Northern Ireland and the rest of the United Kingdom, and that is perceived as breaking up the UK, as the phrase goes. Mm. So I think that's, that's one of the main problems posed by... Um, Theresa May's draft withdrawal agreement. 
But I think it might be good to have a quick uh, talk about uh, the aspects that concern the creative industries, which of course the DMA and its members are, are involved in. Um, the government knew from the very beginning that the way we use data, the way companies process it and store it, was of utmost importance. The, for the UK in particular, in comparison to uh, other European countries, uh, the UK actually has the largest internet economy of any G20 nation, because that contributes over, 20, over 10% of GDP. Um, Nesta did a recent report and they estimated that digital technology contributes 160 billion to the UK economy overall and that creates around 1.56 million jobs. And now that, that doesn't include even the entirety of the, uh, the creative industries that could go over to acting and other things like that. Um, so there's a whole massive ecosystem within the UK that relies on the fast and effective use of data and especially in the context of companies that operate across borders and throughout Europe they rely on being able to send data from one part of their operation that's maybe based in Germany to another that's based in the UK. And at the moment, because the UK is still a member of the EU, that happens in a completely free way. It's frictionless. That company is able to send the data from Germany to the UK without jumping through any legal hoops. There's no hurdles in the way of that whatsoever. But once we leave uh, the EU, say if there was no deal on data and no future trading relationship, uh, the UK would suddenly have a scenario where uh, we'd have to jump through quite a few bureaucratic loopholes in order for a company that had operations based in Germany and UK to send data between those two parts of its operation. Um, that would pose a, quite a big administrative cost on companies, um, so they would suffer as a result of that. They perhaps would have to hire new people, or in the worst circumstances, uh, a business may decide to actually move, for example, their data centre or part of their, their business to Europe rather than keeping it in the UK. Mm. And we have seen examples of that already. Lloyds Bank, for example, moved their, their whole insurance uh, operations to uh, Frankfurt, I think, because they uh, perceived that there was, too, there was going to be too many hurdles uh, after Brexit. Mm. And But ter Theresa May's draft room agreement recognised the importance of data and how we, we need it and the UK economy thrives on its use. Um, and the deal proposes to align with the EU on data protection law, the UK will continue to implement EU law and to all intents and purposes will be the same as the EU. This is to try and smooth the process and ensure that after we leave the EU in March 2019, during the transition period, the UK and the EU will begin negotiations for uh, adequacy status. Um, and this is uh, an agreement that means that if the UK is certified as having adequacy status, it's the EU essentially say that the UK has essentially equivalent data protection standards as the EU. Therefore, it's safe for companies to exchange data between the EU and UK because the UK um, offers similar safeguards to businesses that reside within the EU. Um, because of that, which is quite a good deal, the, the DMA have been very supportive of it. It will maintain the free flow of data between uh, the UK and EU. But there are actually a few security concerns which could hold back that adequacy status arrangement. I know that Michael has been studied in the past, something called the Five Eyes Alliance, and this is a security agreement between, I think, you know, the Anglo-Saxon countries, Australia, Canada, uh, America, UK, uh, New Zealand, to share security data with each other, um, but they've been caught in the past doing some pretty... Some yeah, pretty so this, the, the, this is essentially a, a, what was originally supposed to be a very, very secret agreement, and it had been thought up just before they were about to install the world's largest uh, connection of... Uh, internet cables between uh, across the Atlantic between Europe and the US. Wow! And 
I think I think it's something like sixty percent of the world's internet traffic would would go through this. And the five countries got together and thought, oh, this is this is quite a good opportunity. So they they basically told the companies that were implement uh, input, laying the cable that we're going to go sail out and bug this line so that we can have uh, access to whatever goes through this cable. And they were caught red-handed, actually. They had a, a US ship and a UK ship out there um, with, the, uh, well, I guess, the Secret Service agents diving down and laying these bugs on this massive line. And they were caught red-handed, and, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, oh, this, was, this is part of a wider security strategy. We're gonna, we were definitely going to tell you about this, um, <laughs> which is <laughs> a dubious claim at best. Um, but now that's known as what's called Operation Tempora in, in the UK. So that's actually initiated just now, which essentially allows the government to look at whatever is on anyone's internet anywhere. And, and this is actually something that um, European regulators are, are thinking about, and um, members of the European Parliament as well have also said that they're concerned about this. So while the UK's been a member of the EU, we haven't faced the same level of scrutiny as perhaps a country like the United States has, who actually had their data deal, which was known as a safe harbour, um, which facilitated data flows between the US and the EU. That was struck down uh, by, in the uh, European courts because it was deemed that because of what the American security services were doing in terms of surveillance, that was incompatible with the European Union approach to data protection. And so that was struck down. It took a long time after that to negotiate a new deal. The US had to make a number of serious concessions. And even that de- deal is still at a, you know, it's at a beginning stage. It could still face legal challenges in the future. So when the UK leaves the EU, there will be calls in certain sections of, uh, the, of, the, of the parliament and amongst member states within the EU to take a closer, closer, and more rigorous look at what mm. the surveillance and security services are doing in the UK, which could pose some really serious problems to us. Yeah, the government seemed pretty confident that it's not going to be an issue. At the moment, there, it's not an issue because obviously we're part of the EU and we share the intelligence with uh, organisations like Europol and um, and just other member state governments. But yeah, the, the issue arises when we do become the separate entity and we're not part of the same groups anymore. And it might be the case that we do share security aspects which would which would arguably be the logical step but you know we, we never know what happens uh, yet so the, the, there could be that scrutiny that is placed upon third countries which is uh, I guess fair enough mm-hmm. when you look at it <laughs> yeah no I suppose so so you heard earlier a bit about Zach was talking about data flows and and the kind of agreement that the DMA is looking for and um, that's that's one component of the Brexit deal that we've been looking into. The other key key aspect is the access to skills. Our industry, in particular, is quite affected by the lack of uh, people who can occupy these skilled skilled jobs from right from the the base level to the very highest level. Working with data, obviously, is a well, perhaps not even a, a modern vocation anymore, but it's something that just not enough people do. So we we have historically needed a lot of access to. European markets to access skills. We, the UK at the moment gets most of its talent, uh, or the largest portion of its talent from the US, but the, in second place is the EU. So we, we at the DMA, we're, we're very keen to uh, encourage the government to adopt an education, uh, education uh, uh, an immigration policy which will allow uh, the businesses in our industries to keep being able to access the talent that, that, uh, that they need. I think, you know, and that isn't that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be European. Mm. The approach is that the UK needs an immigration system in the future that allows companies to be easily able to access talent from abroad, wherever that talent happens to be. So I suppose that you could almost say it, it could be possibly be a benefit of Brexit because no longer restricted to a particular area. Mm. You could look out to the world. Um, but it is very important that the UK retains that open approach 
I think the politics of it can be difficult because there can be pressures on, a, on, on the government to have a quite a strict approach to immigration and that could harm the economy and harm businesses' ability uh, to recruit people. For example, um, Theresa May has put a limit on um, skilled workers coming into the UK that they need to earn um, £30,000 a year or, or more. For many jobs within the marketing sector, salaries may be slightly lower than that, but the workers and the, what they do is still just as vital. Um, so we've been working with the Advertising Association to uh, lobby the government for a more open approach uh, to immigration and to recognise that not all jobs will meet that £30,000 threshold, but nonetheless they are completely vital to the, the workings of the industry and a successful uh, creative industries in the UK. Hmm. So. Looking forward, what's what's on the card next in, in terms of Brexit and just the general political political situation? Have you got any any ideas? It's a kind of open uh, question, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think if I did have a crystal ball and I see the future, I'd probably be a billionaire, <laughs> placing my, placing my bets on uh, the various outcomes that could that, that could come down the track. My personal opinion is that if the parliamentary arithmetic stays as it is, and it's really hard to pass a deal, um, there's many Conservative MPs that won't agree with the government, the opposition parties obviously more than likely to disagree with the government, mm. so, so long as the draft withdrawal agreement stays broadly the same as it is, and the EU having said that they won't renegotiate, mm -hmm. it's likely to stay that way. I feel that the, the possibility of a second referendum becomes more likely. Uh, personally, not a fan of the, of the term people's vote, because that suggests that it's not a second referendum, which it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But I think true. that becomes more likely, but mm -hmm. even that is a very complicated one, because yeah. then what question do you have? Absolutely. Do you have a question? I think, in my opinion, it's got to be a straight binary um, to keep it easy and simple. Is it remaining in the EU and the deal, or is it the deal and no deal, no deal, remain? There's, I mean, there's many different options that it could be, and Absolutely. that's another headache for, yeah. for the government. The second referendum option came, became quite a lot more likely this week. There was a, a court case that was an, an, originally lodged by a Green Party member of the Scottish Parliament uh, called Andy Reitman, and that was... Uh, jumped on by other members of Parliament, members of the European Parliament. And basically, the court decision that came this week allows the UK to rescind Article 50 without the permission of other EU states. So that means that they can, if they want to, uh, do a U-turn on Brexit, essentially, or at least uh, halt the Brexit process as it is just now. There's a time limit. There's a, or we're, we're counting down to the 29th of March. That's when we're due to leave the EU. But it now could be the case that Parliament decides by itself, without the permission of the EU, to stop that. And you know, I met recently with um, civil servants in, uh, from uh, Belgium and they and many other member states from the EU are very concerned about this because they would obviously rather renegotiate the UK's place in the EU if we came back to the table. The UK was able to in the past have lots of rebates, opt-outs from certain laws, so you imagine the UK is not bound to adopt the euro as its currency whereas every other country that joins the EU has to take up that position that at some point in the future if not straight away, they would adopt the euro as, as, as the national currency. Mm. And uh, many EU member states would have hoped they could renegotiate the UK's position and we'd have to adopt those positions. But this judgment uh, means that that wouldn't happen and the UK could literally hit the reset button and it would go back to exactly what the status quo was before the referendum uh, vote two years ago. Mm. Absolutely. 
So yes, that's everything that's been happening this week. If you have any questions and would like to get in touch with either Zach or myself about anything we've been talking about today or even any anything that you've seen on the DMA website, anything that's happening, please do get in touch. Um, you can access uh, or you can get in touch with us via our emails, which are michael.sturrock at dma.org.uk and Zach's is zach.thornton at dma.org.uk. You can, as we said, get in touch with the DMA on Twitter. That's uh, DMA underscore UK. And if you've enjoyed this podcast as well, you should use the DMA Pol Pod hashtag. So that's hashtag DMA Pol Pod. <laughs> and that will uh, let us know that you've been tuning in. And if you find it useful, do let us know any other feedback or any questions. Just use that hashtag and tag the DMA and we'll, we'll get back to you. Thanks very much, Michael. I also have to ensure that you will come back and listen again, um, a special offer. Um, we have a discount code of £60 off for our date protection conference in uh, March 2019. It'll be on Friday the 1st of March and we have the Information Commissioner Elizabeth Denham giving a keynote address at the conference and I'm also hoping to secure uh, a government minister as well. So fingers crossed we're able to do that. The uh, the event's going to go over you know, Brexit, e-privacy regulation, general date protection regulation, various different types of laws that are ongoing within the UK and um, how they're affecting the uh, the marketing industry. Um, with the 60%, with the £60 uh, discount code. Um, the ticket will cost £240 plus VAT. And now, if you just call up the DMA and you quote DMA Politics Podcast, um, and then you can speak to my colleague Lucy Chapman. So, if you call the number 020 7291 and if you just quote DMA Politics Podcast and ask for Lucy Chapman, she can arrange for your ticket. Just in case you didn't get the number, it's uh, 020 7291. 3300. Thanks very much. From the DMA this morning, you have uh, myself, uh, Zach Thornton. I'm external affairs manager at the DMA, and also with me, we have my colleague, Michael Starrick. He's, he's the external affairs Exec, and together the two of us, we work in the External Affairs Department, basically means we're, we're, we're lobbyists really, so often people get boo lobbyists, but uh, you know. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing that. <laughs> oh dear. We need to have an outtake as well as well. <laughs> oh, I went on an absolute ramble. <laughs>